Welcome everyone to the Operation Automation Podcast by Omron, where we are talking all things factory automation. My name is Carrie Lee, and I'm the America's Sales Manager for Early Career Development. I've been with Omron for three and a half years and have about 17 years of experience in automation. Sitting here with me is Kenny Heidel. Hi everyone, I am Kenny Heidel, and I'm a channel sales manager focusing on channel engagement. I've been with Omron for four years and have 15 years of combined factory and industrial automation experience. Kenny and I are neighbors at our Omron office and would often have conversations at the coffee machine or in the hallways where we would talk about new technologies and trends and, of course, the Chicago White Sox. We hope to recreate that time here in our podcast and share it with listeners so that you can learn along with us. So whether you are pouring yourself the first or the fifth coffee of the day, driving to your first appointment, or walking the dog, we hope to help you start your day off right with a little fun and hopefully you learn something new. Welcome, welcome, everybody. We have an excellent episode today. Carrie, are you excited? Yes, Kenny, I am. Uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me while Paul was talking was how well the Sysmac platform helps innovation and the approach we're taking to go beyond just the technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, innovation is one of our core principles here at Omron, and it's always great. You know, spend a lot of time talking to people about what what a great organization we have here and that we really live and breathe our principles. And this podcast felt like a really organic example of that. And I love how he breaks it down, breaks it mm-hmm. down from the high level to to real actionable things that people can do. So listeners, enjoy Paul Anderson's episode on planning for tomorrow today. Brought to you by Omar. Okay, Kenny, what's our song this week? Today is the greatest day I've ever known. It's also a great time to start preparing for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. That's all we do, right? We we think about tomorrow, the next day, the next day, and not just the weekend, right, Carrie? Not just the weekend. Sure. (laughs) All right. So our guest today is Paul Anderson. So pretty excited to talk with him. Kenny, you and I both have worked with Paul for quite a bit. Uh, but the reason we're finally having him on the podcast is because of his awesome presentation at the Omron Open. Uh, do you want to give us a quick synopsis of the Omron Open? Of course, Carrie. So in September, we had a customer event uh, called Omron Open, where we brought in customers from all across the, the nation to go to our proof of concept centers, but really to talk to them about what's coming next. What should they be planning for? And how can Omron help support them with practical solutions for those problems that are that they're facing every day? Awesome. And so, Paul, welcome. Happy to have you on the on the podcast. I'm glad to finally be here. <laughs> Listen, we're just going to make you more famous than you already are. <laughs> That's so. right. I uh, I am just happy to uh, get to have a little of the Carrie and Kenny dust shake off onto <laughs> me and get get some of the the you know, the exposure that comes from this. So thank you for uh, thank you for letting me join. So, Paul, before we get started and talk a little bit more about your uh, your awesome Omron Open presentation, we really need to know what is your go to takeout food order? Oh, man, <laughs> what isn't my favorite go to takeout <laughs> food order? I am somewhat notorious in our uh, sales region for having quite an appetite. So I think my uh, my guilty pleasure is definitely sesame chicken. Um, so I can Ooh. eat 
many pounds of that if uh, given the opportunity. And then a, a close second is anything from Portillo's, especially a big beef. I can't uh, can't pass up a big beef. Oh. Supporting the Chicago restaurants. Right. I love it. That's right. Big beef with a nice chocolate cake shake. Though then oh, that's probably that's followed right. up by a, a nice nap. Right? Exactly. Yes. Food coma is my favorite. <laughs> yep. Well, since I'm the I, I'm the musical one, or at least uh-huh. the singer. Um, <laughs> if you have to get a lot of work done, Paul, what's your favorite music to throw on? What's your jam choice? So I I would probably have three options for that. So my my go to for productivity has become any sort of lo-fi channel. Um, mm. I'll often put that on in the background, just as a kind of almost a white noise. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, if you ever actually do a screen share with me, you will actually see that I have a, an airplane white noise generator soundtrack that I listen to. So it's a, it's a little humiliating. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I mean, I mean, not, sorry, I didn't know you were going to say humiliating. So maybe we'll edit that part out. I said yes very quickly. <laughs> and then the embarrassed uh, for you both. <laughs> that's right. And then my other option is uh, I'm I love listening to Pink Floyd for background mm-hmm. music for getting stuff done. Nice, nice, good mellow jams. Mm-hmm. Is that for when you just need to get through the wall? That's right. Yeah. If I need to feel comfortably really numb. stuck. I smell a sound go. effect coming on. That's right. <laughs> okay. And finally, Paul, what is your favorite hobby? Uh, I, yeah, I think from a, a favorite hobby, I think my favorite hobby is to keep finding new hobbies. Um, I, <laughs> I don't like to be kind of pigeonholed into any one thing. I enjoy new experiences. I enjoy learning new things. So I mean, I've got some default things that I always go back to. Like I grew up on the water, so I love being any sort of water sports. Um, mm-hmm. But beyond that, I mean, I, I like exposure to everything. So I like to to keep exploring new things. Very cool. Nice. That's a perfect segue into, I think, our discussion today, right? Paul had done a presentation at the Omron Open event about planning for tomorrow today. So that's kind of the the gist of how we want to have this discussion and, and have you kind of expound on, on what you were presenting. But first, Paul, if you could, for our listeners, just give them a little bit of background on you, you know, how, how long you've been with Omron or at least how long you've been in the, in the automation industry. Yeah. Uh, well, this year I, I turned 20 in the automation industry. So <laughs> that feels, uh, it feels a little weird to say that, but, um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I've been with Omron now for eight years. So I started off as the motion solutions engineer here in what was the Illinois, Missouri, Kansas area. Uh, my background is primarily motion control. So I've worked for a couple different companies in the industry that are all, uh, motion control providers. So when I came to Omron, I came in through that route and really just kind of loved the ability here at Omron to have a portfolio that was quite large. Um, And so I grew into some of the other technologies. And during my time here, I had the opportunity to to move up into a field engineering lead position and then supervisor position. And then my current title is technical manager. Um, And that basically means that I have responsibility for field app engineering for US and Canada for the regional teams. So um, I am really lucky to work with a group that has some incredibly smart people uh, that really care about their customers, want to see them do well, and they want to do everything that they can to make sure that we're providing the best solutions for their customers. Awesome. Awesome. So very, very tech savvy. So for our any listeners, if they have technical questions, boom, Paul is our guy. 
So, you know, leading from the presentation you gave, how did, how did you come up with the topic uh, for planning for tomorrow today? Yeah, so uh, Krista Banke, our industry marketing manager who was kind of organizing the event, uh, she reached out to me about presenting and we were just kind of brainstorming some different ideas. And one of the things that I always kind of felt as new technologies were rolled out and we would see these big trends that were talked about in the industry, um, when I would go to customers, we would begin discussing these. And it was mm -hmm. often apparent that what we understood working as an automation manufacturer was sometimes different than what uh, a customer would understand. And I could talk about AI and their understanding of AI might have been different than mine. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of always the kind of person who likes to take and make information approachable. Um, mm -hmm. I want to I distill things down to something that makes sense to mm -hmm. somebody that I'm speaking with. And so for me, I wanted to say, you know, we're, we're looking at all these big terms of traceability, industry 4.0, smart factory, all these different ideas. But how do you really kind of boil them all down to a few key topics or a few mm -hmm. key things that are really driving kind of all of those particular trends? And then based on that, what do you do with that, right? Because mm -hmm. um, so much of what we're trying to do through automation is to set people up long-term for success and to try and predict what's coming down the road. And so if we can help people understand what the landscape is out there, what they're going to be facing and how we as an automation provider can help them achieve those and operate in that environment, that's the best thing for us. So um, it was really about trying to take uh, potentially abstract ideas, bring them down to something that's approachable and, and turn it into tangible actions that uh, that somebody could take moving forward from here. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So I know when I watched the presentation, I have, a, and I know Kenny does too, we have a bunch of follow-up questions we want to ask you more. Um, but before we do that, just to kind of level set for anybody who hasn't, didn't have the opportunity to see your presentation at the Omron Open. Can you kind of just give us a quick synopsis of your presentation? Yeah, so uh, the question really that I started the whole presentation off with was, what's next? I mean, the people that had attended that, they sat through several different presentations. They got to see all the different demos, uh, meet a lot of different people. And those are all good, but the big question is, where do you go from there? What, what's, mm -hmm. the, what's the take-home application? Um, and so what I wanted to say through that was, as we look at those different underlying concepts, again, that are present in all of these trends, what are those? So I went through what I felt those three things were, which were data, flexibility, and then changing labor dynamics. So with data, I looked at uh, data kind of on two sides of it, right? We're looking at both a short-term process um, of how do we keep from having unplanned downtime? Nobody likes mm -hmm. unplanned downtime. So what are the things that we're doing there, right? We're looking at different types of monitoring tools for predictive maintenance so that we can keep everything running as, as smoothly as possible. Um, and then we're also, uh, from a performance standpoint, we're also looking at reducing costs with data on a per unit basis. And that's really coming down to process improvement, right? So we can look at a process, we can get the data that we see that's running on a particular application. Um, and then we can look at that data after the fact and say, what do we do with that? How do we actually improve our line from that? So that's, that's kind of that data part. 
Um, but then data also not helps just in, you know, reducing costs from unplanned downtime and from um, uh, process improvement, but it's also helping you gain more customers because the more information that we have that we can share out to their customers, uh, connecting data to different sources, that's where really the power is, right? So mm -hmm. um, there's, and we see it every day in our own personal lives, whether it's ordering things off Amazon or trying to look mm -hmm. for uh, reservations at a restaurant, right? There's all sorts of ways that we see data and you're really trying to connect all these different potential data sources and get it out to a user. And I think that the more and more that we see um, the commercial world or uh, the retail world have different types of things that make life easier for their customers, that's just filtering down into the, uh, the industrial world. So that's data. Flexibility, uh, I talked about uh, with flexibility, looking at um, uh, lot size of one. So looking mm -hmm. at how we need to be flexible on a per unit and per order and some of the implications of that. And then also talked about flexibility over the life of a machine. So how do we make sure that automation systems aren't just pigeonholed into one type of thing that they do for 30, <laughs> 40 years, but they're, they're flexible enough to be adapted as we go on. And then uh, last thing, like I mentioned, was the changing labor dynamics and mm -hmm. how when used to go to customers to talk about robotics applications and the story has changed entirely. It went from reducing yeah. headcounts to actually trying to bring lines back up. And uh, that's obviously a total shift that's happened during uh, mm -hmm. the pandemic. But then not only that, but there's also benefits to that where uh, as we use automation, we are freeing tasks up from being uh, done by people. And we're taking those people that were tied to tasks and we're now allowing them to be more creative and uh, think differently, which is really in line with what Kazuma Tadaishi said uh, with his uh, quote to the machine, the work of the machine, to the man, the thrill of further creation. So mm -hmm. it really aligns well with what we want to do as a company. Um, and then from that, Again, what do we do from a practical standpoint looking forward? And I just gave three pieces of advice. First was focus on machine performance. We can do everything we want to in terms of providing more data connections to, to mm -hmm. be doing more with people, but ultimately we have to have machines that are performing well. So that's step one. Mm -hmm. um, number two is developing simple but robust solutions. Uh, and I love the term Occam's razor. It was something that was brought up to me <laughs> and I just always go back to it because it's so true, right? That the best solution tends to be the simplest solution. And I mean, look at the supply chain today. It's, it's this incredibly complex system that's capable of doing a whole lot. But when we saw it break during the pandemic, we saw what happens and just how fragile that is. So the mm -hmm. more robust and yet simple solution we can provide, the better. Um, and then the last piece of advice is to always choose more data. Uh, we have so many devices that have data. And as we're using machine learning and uh, more types of data analytics, there's so much insight that we can get that we don't even know about our process right, right now. So the more mm -hmm. data points that we have that we can look at after the fact, that's only going to benefit us. So it's, uh, you're right, those, those three things again, focus on machine performance, develop simple, robust solutions, and uh, always choose more data. Love it. Absolutely love it. I, and the, my favorite part of it really was when you kind of, you know, you hit all the key terms, flexibility, flexible manufacturing, all those different things. And I feel like when you go and talk to customers and you bring up those topics, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I know, I, I know, right? But 
it's so high level at that point that being able to break it down into more detail of something they could actually take and say, oh, that's something we could do, right? It, it peels the onion back and it makes it a nice package that allows them to think about this is something that we should do yeah. as opposed to something that's, oh, yeah, I hear that in the news, right? You know, people talk about that, but how do you do it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, there's a, there's an insecurity in admitting that you don't know what a term means, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> We go to customers yeah. and you'll have that conversation and you can sense that. And that's like, we're not there to try and show them how smart we are. We are there to try and help them achieve what they're trying to accomplish. So if we can coach them through some of these trends in terms that they're not familiar with, that's what we want to do. Um, I find that, you know, as I, as I kind of take a step back, I think you look at a lot of these terms that are created in the industry. And I think a lot of them are created to create a sense of expertise by an organization. <laughs> so yep. if a company creates a term, you know, they say that the, the, the person that wins the argument is the person that owns the definitions. And I think <laughs> when you have the definitions and you have the terms being created, you're mm -hmm. perceived in the industry as an expert. Yep. Um, and but that's not always the case, right? It's that's a marketing mm -hmm. game. We mm -hmm. want to show customers that the principles that are behind it, whether you want to call it smart factory, whether you want to call it industry 4.0, whether you want to call it whatever you want to call it, it's the concepts that are important. And we want to walk you through and help you with those concepts to understand how do we take those concepts match it up with the automation platform that we have to help you specifically drive forward what it is that you are trying to accomplish on your machine or your line or your factory. Yep, exactly, exactly. So I'm going to go to some buzzwords now. You talked a lot about one of the biggest buzzwords we have, platform concepts, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we have a lot of concepts around, oh, sorry, we have a lot of platform level concepts, but a lot of times, you know, you just kind of said it, our customers are looking for solutions on a specific product and they may say, oh, I'm not worried about the buzzword or the platform, but they're trying to do is find something to their solution, but they've almost gone too far in their tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of connect the idea of the going beyond just a product to a full platform? Yeah, I think it comes down to when you're talking to a customer, you have to understand who it is that you're talking to and you need to understand what are the things that they care about, right? I think if you're if you're talking to somebody who's uh, working on making sure that a line is up and running, they care about individual components. They they If there's a problem with the servo, that's what they care about. They want their servo to be operating properly. Um, but obviously that servo sits in context of a larger system and as you move out into a broader scope of automation, then the different types of people that we're going to be talking to at a customer, they're going to have different concerns. And I think what we want to be able to do is to speak to all levels within a customer, mm -hmm. right? We want to show that the individual working maintenance, we've got your back when it comes to the specific products and components that you're going to be dealing with and that you can trust what you see on this individual component. But then as we move up to either more of the control side or the production manager, that we can now look out at a line scope and we can show how our platform is really driving the overall performance of a particular line. And then we can even go out one level uh, more, and as we're talking to uh, more the business side of a particular customer, that when we see these industry trends and we see these buzzwords, we can help them understand how 
the industry solutions that we're providing are really fitting in and helping give them competitive advantages. So it's it's really trying to understand that at a customer, you have different people with different needs, different perspectives, and we want to show all the different people that we have a solution for them and that what we offer through the SysMac platform can be something that is beneficial for them at every level. I really like that, what you just said, because, you know, we talk a lot internally about we want to be Omron, your trusted advisor. And the way to show that trust is to really understand the customer's specific problems, Mm -hmm. you know, and and like you said, being able to go up and down and really focusing on the customer. We've got the technology. We've got all of that knowledge in our back pocket. It's helping figure out how does it affect you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, to... On the on the platform level, one of the biggest enablers, right, for that is is EtherCAT communication and and that capability. Uh, can you talk a little bit to kind of why it's so advantageous to to the fact that EtherCAT split out as a separate network from Ethernet when other solutions on the market were really kind of combining the two? Yeah, I think uh, you know there's there's kind of two sides to that. The first thing being one of the analogies, and this is something uh, that Carrie and I discussed at length uh, (laughs) over the last several months was when you look at the types of communication that's required on uh, machine level devices. So let's take a servo again. I'm a motion guy. I'm just always going to think servos first. Um, What a servo needs is a very particular type of data. It doesn't need massive amounts of information, but it needs it very quickly and it needs it very repetitively. Take a step back, though, if you're working with a database or you need to FTP a file or anything else like that, those kinds of tasks don't require that same deterministic, repetitive uh, data. What they read or what they need is really flexible data sizes, flexible timing, and but they need bigger data sizes to support that. And mm-hmm. so when you look at having on a servo small data highly repetitive and deterministic versus on these other types of communication, completely flexible, time insensitive relative to the speeds that we're talking about on machines. Um, mm-hmm. they, they really are competing priorities of what they're trying to do. And the analogy I like to use is it's like a highway and a side street, right? A highway, mm-hmm. you can go really fast, but you can't get off all that often. Versus a side street, you can't go all that fast, but you can stop whenever you need to. And they Mm -hmm. both serve very specific purposes, but to each other, they're total noise, right? I mean, you wouldn't go driving side street speeds on a highway, and you wouldn't go driving highway speeds on a side street. It would cause Mm -hmm. chaos. And there are different ways that people try to achieve that. Um, We have chosen specifically to separate them into separate networks. One of the other things that we see out there is time slice networks, where you take a, you put everything on the same network, everything on EtherCAT or Ethernet, I should say. So you put everything on Ethernet and a portion of the time, it's random communication that happens with Ethernet TCP IP. And then the other portion of the time, a particular device takes over and manages the communication so that you have a portion of deterministic communication. But what you've essentially done with that now is you have completely bottlenecked your communication speed because you've throated it down so that you only have deterministic communications for a very small part of it. So Mm -hmm. separating it out into 
Ethernet TCP IP devices that are okay with randomness and okay with data collisions versus on the EtherCAT side, having it separated out so that you have the data that it's deterministic, that needs to be available on different devices whenever they need it. That just creates a much better solution for machine performance. I thought you were going to throw a traffic jam in there somewhere than when you were talking about them in the same uh, in the same uh, network. <laughs> well, if, if you see that, that's probably my mom driving. Yeah. On the <laughs> I was going to say, or 290, right? Yeah. <laughs> For those in Chicago, little local reference. That's a second one today. Mm-hmm. Portillo's in 290. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so switching gears a little bit. A lot of the time in your presentation, you're talking about the future, right? And that can be kind of difficult. I mean, just look at the last couple of years. So many things have changed. So when we try to predict the future, it can be can be risky. So how would you say that risk plays into all of that when we're trying to look at, out to the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I think risk isn't something you can avoid. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we we make decisions that are fear-based, you know, rather than Mm -hmm. uh, decisions out of uh, things that we need to do because there's a risk to not do anything with these trends moving forward. I mean, it's, there's an investment that's required to add these different types of technologies, but I think there's also a major risk to not uh, implementing these types of Mm -hmm. technologies. So if we Or if you as a customer don't do that, your competitors are going to be making those changes and it's going to leave you exposed. So you might not be exposed today, but it's it's kind of the frog in the frying pan analogy, right? That you you might not have to make massive changes right now, but as time goes on and your competitors are implementing these changes, they're going to be getting an overwhelming competitive advantage that individual manufacturers may not have. So I think the risk side, yes, there's a risk to do all this, but there's, I think the risk to not implement these changes is even greater, honestly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very good point. Yeah. The risk of inaction. Mm-hmm. So with all the, all the different things that have come to the market, all the different technologies and capabilities and things like that, in your opinion, What's kind of been one of the most important developments in in an automation architecture that really helps support, you know, you talked about uh, lot size of one, mm-hmm. being flexible with special lot sizes, being able to service your customers, right? Everybody loves to get stuff their own way. Mm-hmm. So what's kind of been a really important development in automation architecture to help support customers being flexible and their capabilities to to meet that need of a lot size of one? Yeah, I think uh, I think smart devices is probably a, a really big part of that because mm-hmm. I think smart devices give you the flexibility at the lower level to be able to adapt to whatever it is you're trying to do in a particular process, right? So as you have recipes, now recipes aren't as dictated by a particular configuration of a sensor, but now mm-hmm. you can actually tweak everything on a sensor via IO link. Mm-hmm or via EtherCAT or whatever our different methods are. So, uh, and that kind of goes back to that whole data thing, always more data, right? Because Mm -hmm. that access to more data is also what gives you access to configure and to modify Mm -hmm. devices as you need to. So I think there's obviously, um, you know, within the SysMac platform, being able to have everything kind of centralized out of a single 
CPU, where we have just this massive power that's available in the CPU. I think you, you pair up the power that's inside of one of our SysMac controllers with the flexibility out at individual devices. And I think when you put those two together, that's really what enables a lot of these different technologies. Because whether we're looking at traceability and we're trying to capture uh, serial information and pass it back and forth to databases, we get that capability because we have smart devices that are out there. And then we have mm -hmm. a CPU that has the overhead capable uh, time mm -hmm. to basically manage the communications back and forth to databases. And I think having all those tools uh, and also having them be out of the box free tools, right? right? They're, these aren't add-on <laughs> licenses. These are, these are tools that are right in the platform. I think that is, that is a really powerful argument or a powerful, compelling uh, solution for people. When you think about it too, the, the two analogies I just had in my head was one was like when you open a Windows machine, right? Everything works with Windows. Mm -hmm. There's not special. You don't need to know how to specially operate one version of a software versus another version. Oh, sure. And how it integrates with Windows mm -hmm. or similarly an iPhone. All the apps have very similar um, definition structures that they have where it's like, okay, I get an app. I download it from the app store. I have this inherent thought in my head, like I'm not going to have any issues with it because I know it's been developed and it's, it's through a, a trusted source. So I kind of envision like Sysmac obviously is a little bit younger, right. Than, than some of those, but that that's kind of the feeling that it, it, it allows our customers to have. Yeah. And I, I think even as we look forward into other types of tools that are coming out, I mean, just even thinking about our robotic solutions and moving on now to mm -hmm. our NJ, our, what we call our NJ 501R. I mean, mm -hmm. that now again, integrates the EtherCAT side with the robots. And now you have these tools right. that are already in your PLC. So you're not having to like create all this separate integration. You're not having to manage all these communications. It's just part of the setup procedure and it's quick and easy. I mean, one of my favorite things to do with customers is to go to a customer with a demo unit, right? An HMI, PLC, servo, whatever, and show them how we can get that whole thing going from factory default to running a simple program in almost no time. And that's mm -hmm. because like what you're saying, Kenny, it's all there. The we're, we're taking out the risk of integration because that's what we are doing often. We are providing that uh, feature for a customer automatically. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And unlike Apple, we won't be putting anybody through dongle hell in the <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> Okay, so just one last question to kind of wrap up. We've talked about a lot of great topics today, mm -hmm. but if, in your opinion, how, how would you describe to our customers how Omron can help them with the flexibility challenges that they're um, starting to meet head on? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at a platform, um, you want a platform that is going to be flexible, like I mentioned at the beginning, on both a short-term and a mm -hmm. long-term scope. And there are a lot of tools that we have for short-term flexibility. I mean, we can do recipes, we can do configurable uh, devices on IO link. We've got a lot of flexibility in terms of EtherCAT. I mean, we've, we've even have some cool tools now in EtherCAT where you can write a single program for a particular machine that could be set up as modular and based off of what devices are plugged into the machine on power up, it can selectively enable and disable 
devices and then run different sections of a program so that as an OEM trying to write PLC code, you aren't having to create all these individual programs. Mm -hmm. You're creating a single mm -hmm. program that adapts based on what's physically present, which I think is a really cool feature. Um, but then also, I think you want a, a platform that's going to be able to grow with you. And you want a platform that's going to be able to be flexible as new technologies come out. And I think as we look at the SysMac platform, we see things like MQTT, OPC UA, mm -hmm. all of these different features that weren't present right at the initial launch of the platform. And we're continuing mm -hmm. to add, we're looking at what technology is out there and how do we add those things into the platform as we grow. And you are going to have a platform that's going to be scalable, both from going from simple applications with uh, you know, an NX1P, all the way out to we have multiple customers running entire lines, I mean, over 100 servos in multiple robotics and vision systems and everything out of a single NX701. And I think that scalability is huge. But also, as the platform continues to grow, we're also not leaving people behind from a software standpoint, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Sysmic right. Studio, we, we don't have to have individual versions of an IDE based off whatever version of firmware <laughs> that you have, right? I mean, we, we're trying to make a platform that's going to allow you to work backwards, to work forwards, to add features as we move on. And it's a platform that's based on a really solid architecture that was focused on machine performance, but we have the processing power to continue adding these features in and really make it uh, a great platform to partner with and to, to steer into your future. I don't think I could have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Paul does what he does. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's why we're talking to him. Um, <laughs> um, but no, fa absolutely fantastic information. I absolutely loved the, the presentation you gave. So hopefully people, if you're out there listening, please go check out. We'll put links in into it uh, to kind of drive people to, to watch it. It's a, it's a great conversation. It'll really get you thinking mm -hmm. and breaking things down from the, the pie in the sky to what's actionable, what's, what's doable. But you can't leave without trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Though I, I will self, I will self declare that I'll be surprised if you don't know the answer to this one. Oh, I don't like it when somebody sets up a trivia question. <laughs> like yes, that. yes. But if you get it wrong, what I'm telling you is that you're not smart. That's you're not right. as smart as I think. Oh, you it's are. a good thing this is um, Friday, so I can cry all weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. I'll just uh, boost you up really good for the weekend. Um, but I honestly, this, I, 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 I have confidence in you, Paul. I think you got. I think you got this. So my trivia question is, when was EtherCAT invented? I think EtherCAT was invented around, it's either 1998 or 2002. Very close. I'm going to round up. I give, 2003? I'll give it 2003. Yeah. Yep. 2003. Do you know by who? You were probably involved in those meetings in yeah. 2002, Paul, but it got released to everybody else in 2003. I'll say the EtherCAT Technology <laughs> Group, even though there might be another name behind that. Absolutely correct, Paul. Absolutely correct. <laughs> EtherCAT Technology. Yep. Well, thank you, Paul. We really appreciate having you on the podcast. Um, really insightful, really good information um, and and excellent 
mindset on how we can really help customers break some of these bigger challenges down into into things that they can do and that can really uh, show results. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I always enjoy listening to these podcasts when they come out. So it's uh, I think this is a great thing you guys are doing. So thank you. Thanks for your time. Secondary plug, Paul listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get a name for our groupies. No. <laughs> oh. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Really, how really about, good. How about the automatics? <laughs> <laughs> automation. The automation automatics. It's like a synthwave band. That's the right. automatics. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining Carrie and me for the Operation Automation Podcast. If you have topics you'd like to hear discussed on future episodes, please send them to our email address, operationautomation at omron.com with podcast idea in the subject line. Finally, all these cool things you learn about on this podcast can be found at automation.omron.com. Until next time, we put the fun in factory automation. Automation.